Questions, questions, questions. So this morning I'm going to start with questions. And um, number one, what is something that everyone looks stupid doing? I don't know if you've ever been to Walmart and um, have you ever seen kids just start dancing around? I love, you know, when I used to be um, a dancer back in when I was like, I know, 11 years old, dancing was cool, right? And you went places, dancing is still cool? Yeah? You want to dance for us? Yeah? Nice. This is the very most important question. Does your toilet paper, do you like it to be over or under? Toilet paper. How many of us found out when, you know, when you're single, you kind of did things the way that you wanted to, right? And then all of a sudden you get married, you move in with somebody, and they are the complete opposite. When it comes to toothpaste, you squeeze from the bottom. Other, the person you live with, they squeeze anywhere they can find a spot. Toilet paper, some people it's gotta be perfect, it's gotta come under, other prefer, other prefer it to be on top. I mean, it's fun, it's just, we're just different, right? Using toilet paper is important, especially when it's COVID and there's none to be found, right? Where is the weirdest place you went to the bathroom? I know as a kid, I've had a few different places in my life. I'm sure you have as well. If you've had it, if you could have three wishes, what would it be? Would you rather throw away love or money? Here's another important question. Would you rather look like a potato or feel like a potato? If you were to put your life into a song, would it be country, rap? rock, a love song. What in life is the number one thing you've learned from a kid? Because kids have something to teach. How do you want people to remember you? How do you want people to remember you when you go? You know, that's not something that when you're a teenager and when you're a young adult, you probably think about, but the older you get, you start to think about, how do I want to be remembered? And then taking that question a little bit further, do you take the steps to be remembered by what you want to be remembered by? And I think all of us, you know, we all want to be remembered for something good, but do we take the steps to be remembered by those things that we want to be remembered by? What is your greatest distraction in life? Is it donuts? Is it coffee, chocolate, ice cream? If I was to ask you to describe afterlife, how would you describe it? How much do we as people value life? And if we do really value life, why do we see so many people wasting it? If life is valuable, if life is valuable and living is so important, why do so many people waste the value of life? What's more important, what's more valuable, what we have in the bank or knowing the giver of life? How many of us have ever seen a car like this before? We don't really see them like this in Hemet though, do we? Lined up on Florida Avenue, just like that. Here's a newer looking taxi cab, right? It's a little bit nicer. Still haven't seen one like that in Hemet. I haven't seen one like that in Hemet either. Why do I ask questions? Questions are like having a taxi driver. 
There's questions we all have, and those questions lead us in a certain direction. Those directions, there's a source of where those questions come from. We know in Genesis 3.1, it says, The man said to the, the serpent, was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, Did God really say that you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? In the very beginning, as we see the very first two people in the Bible, Adam and Eve, what is the very first conversation that we see? We see the devil asked Eve and Adam a question. Question is, questions are a part of all of our lives. They are. And questions, what we don't realize is they're leading us somewhere. They're driving us somewhere. They're a driving force inside of us. And for some people, questions, they, they cling to the questions of the past. And for some people, they cling to the questions of the future. But what's more important about the past and the future is in this present moment, where is your question leading you today? If you have a deep longing question, where is it leading you today? When it comes to questions, it's important to think about the source. And if someone, let's say Joel comes to you and he says, I have, I'm starting a new company today and I just need all the money in your bank. I need all the money in your savings. I need everything you have. But this company, when you invest, it's gonna be amazing. We're gonna go and we're gonna become millionaires and then billionaires and trillionaires, all of those things. Not all of us would say, okay, here's my money, right? Not me, Joel, right, because I'm stingy. Maybe a quarter. But Joel would get some people to fully invest in what he felt like he needed to do in starting a company. But what he wasn't telling you was once he gets your money, he's going to escape to Mexico and live the rest of his life. The thing is, you see, there's a source where all questions come from. There's a source, there's a spot. And what we know from the very beginning, Satan took a lie and he took a truth, mixed it into this wonderful little question to deceive Adam and Eve. What we don't realize is sometimes we have these questions, these sources, this, this deep longing source of a question. And what we don't realize is what is that driving force? Where is that question driving us? Where is it leading us? Where is it? Now, if you had a question about me, let's say, sorry, Joel, I'll use you as a, a, the bad example. I'll be the nice example. But if you had a question about me and you wondered something, do you, would it be best for you to call one of my enemies? And yeah, I may have a few enemies out there. Would you call one of my enemies and ask them the question instead of asking me directly? Or would it be easier just to call me? Maybe not calling me, maybe calling somebody who knows me really well, my wife. You see, what happens sometimes is with questions, we don't go to the source. We don't go to the correct source. Many people, we have questions about ourselves. We have questions about one another. And yet many people don't go to the right source to get it answered. They don't go to the right source to get it answered. There are relationships 
There are marriages, there are families, there are businesses that get destroyed every single day because the inner questions people have, instead of dealing with the question or going to the right source, they go and ask an enemy. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to jump into the scripture, and it is Genesis chapter 13, starting in verse 1. It says, through the taxi cab, it's like Tetris on my tablet. We, uh, we rented a car last week because we drove to Idaho, which was just a blast with a seven-seater car and seven of us and a dog. But we tried to rent a Suburban, which was supposed to be an eight-seater, which can fit, like they say, five to seven luggages. And, of course, you get there, and it's like, we have no Suburban. I'm like, well, how are we going to fit? So they give us an expedition, and as we're, I'm telling, explaining to the guy, I have seven people and like we have luggages because we're preparing for a month just in case we get snowed in or something. And he goes, well, you played Tetris, right? And I said, yeah, I did, but still, I don't know how I'm gonna fit my seven suitcases in here. We did survive. It was like playing Tetris. Genesis 13, starting in verse one. Abram left Egypt and he traveled north into Negev, along with his wife and Lot and all that they owned. And Abram was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. From the Negev, they continued traveling by stages toward Bethel, and they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai, where they had camped before. This was the same place where Abram had built the altar, and there he worshiped the Lord again. Turn to your neighbor and say, he worshiped the Lord again. Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also become wealthy with flocks and sheep and goats and herds. Let me turn off my ring. Herds of cattle and many tents. But the land could not support both Abram and Lot with their, all their flocks and all their herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. And at that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land. Finally, Abram said to Lot, Let's not allow this conflict to become between us or our herdsmen. After all, we're close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want. We will separate. If you want the land to the left, I'll go to the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go to the left. Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. Abram settled in the land of Canaan and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area, they were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. And so as we break down this story and we begin to paint the picture, we know that in the very beginning of this description that the promise had become and is becoming fulfilled. We know for Abram, when God and him started having the conversation at 75, God and Abram started having that conversation at 75 about life and what to do. God says to Abram, he says, listen, Abram, if you leave your home and you leave all this stuff here and if you follow me, he says, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless you so much that everybody who's around you will be a blessing. 
And so we see that just a couple chapters later, this story starts to unfold and Abram is fully blessed. It says that he's very wealthy and he's got sheep and he's got cattle and he's got people who work for him. He's got a, a booming large business. But not only Abram, his nephew Lot, who was with Abram, also had become very wealthy, sheep, cattle, servants, workers, employees, because his company also was booming. And so Lot becomes blessed, not because he was a good man, Lot becomes blessed because of who he was with. Turn to your neighbor and say, who you with? Who you with? So we see that the promise that God had spoke to them is starting to be fulfilled. You know, every promise that God speaks, it will come to pass. Everything that God says, he's going to do. Sometimes in life, we get that shaded with our brains because all of us, you know, I can't tell you how many times, unfortunately, I've said to my kids, I will do this, I will do that, and then I don't do it. Have you ever done that? Have you ever told your kids you're going to do this or that and this and that, and then whether you forget about it or whether you run out of money, you just don't do it, Right? And so sometimes kids grow up and they think their parents just don't ever get it done. And sometimes we think in our minds, God will never get it done. Because as, as young people, sometimes we didn't get to see a promise fulfilled. We didn't get to see something fulfilled. And so it's hard sometimes to understand that what God says, he means. What God's going to do, he's, he will do. If God promised you something, God is a promise keeper. And you can count on that. You can put that in the bank. That what God says in his word, it will come to pass. And if God promises you something, you will absolutely have it. Now, it never, never happens in our time, right? If God promises to you that he's going to give you 10 million bucks, it's not going to be tomorrow. It would be nice, right? God promised to you it will come to pass. When is it going to come to pass? It's his time. As Abram and Lot become so wealthy and their companies become so big, you had, you know, Apple and you had Windows and they were, they lived right next to each other, these two large massive companies. And as these two massive companies lived next to each other, they started having a fight and they started having disputes in between their, their cattle ranching rancher guys and their cowboy hats and their and their horses but they become so big living next door to each other that they started to fight and this is my land no it's my land this is my land how many of us know sometimes that family drama happens with everybody right how many of us know that every single family has some kind of drama there's always some kind of you know kid or lost sheep or black sheep there's always one that's a little bit different and there's always a little bit of family drama right and in this story we see that there's some drama going on and it's a fight because wouldn't you consider being blessed and rich a good thing wouldn't we think in our minds if if i had triple what i have now would I, would I consider that being blessed? And then these two, these two families here, they were given all that God had promised to them, but yet there was still something to fight about. Just like if we were to get triple more than what we have right now, you're still gonna fight about something. You're still gonna have drama somewhere. It seems like we as people, and no offense, we all got an A in drama back in high school, and we all can create sometimes our own drama. We all can be in theater, and we all could sometimes provide a little drama just like this. 
But thank goodness there's peacemakers. How many of us know we love those peacemakers in the family who are always saying, stop fighting, stop doing this. And so Abraham comes to Lot and he says, listen, Lot, we're brothers. You're my nephew. I'm your uncle. We shouldn't let our herdsmen, we shouldn't let our cattle, we shouldn't let our money get in between us. Let's separate. You go this way, I go that way. Abram is a peacemaker. Matthew 5, 9 says, God who blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. And the older gentleman in this story, Abram, he turns to his nephew and he says, I'm going to give you first choice. Take the pick. You get first pick anywhere you want to go. You can go wherever you want, and I'm going to go the opposite direction. Many of us would look at that and say, why would the older, uncle, wiser, richer guy Give that decision to somebody else. You know, for Abram, his trust was not in land, but his trust was in the Lord. His trust was in God, so he didn't have to worry about what direction he was heading. He gave that pick to his nephew. So his nephew, Lot, who's a wonderful person, he looks around and he sees, it says a spot that looked like the garden of the Lord. A spot that was so beautiful, it was gorgeous. There was flowers blooming everywhere. There was waters and springs. There was waterfalls. There was everything that you can imagine and more. And so, of course, as he looks around, what is he going to do? He's going to settle for what looks good. He's going to settle for the place. What he didn't realize is that the land that he picked, he didn't realize who lived there. He didn't realize what happened there. You know, this past week, we spent some time with my um, Aunt Debbie, who's from Ohio, my grandma, who, who's also from Ohio. But she owns this campground in Pennsylvania. And she says that she lives in this town, and right next to this town, I guess it's supposedly one of the number one spots for, for ghosts who come and haunt people. And so people who've passed on, and she's going on and on and on about, you know, all these all these people who are visited every single day. And so people come to this town and they're, they're looking for ghosts. You know, Scooby-Doo, they're, they're ghost chasers. If you had, and if it was real, but if you had your pick, would you pick a house that was haunted? Yeah, yeah, probably not. You'd rather it to just be clear and empty and wonderful and free, right? A lot in this story, he settles for a place that he didn't realize it was haunted. A lot in this story, he picked something that looked so good and it looked so wonderful, but he didn't realize it was haunted. And so this morning, I only read you a small part of what happened to Lot. And if you were to read on in the story, I think there's a number of Lot lessons that Lot learned in his life. And so I'm kind of going to fast forward without reading to you all that Lot had learned. But Lot moves to the city. He first moves outside the city and he pitches his tent. They liked Lot and his family so much, they invited him into the city. And so he moves into the city. And as soon as he moves into the city, a couple weeks later, there was kings who surrounded that town. And they came in and they ambushed them and they took them all away. Uncle Abram had to come and he had to save his nephew Lot. Life goes on. Abram gets Lot back. The city's restored because he's so wonderful. These people were so evil. There's just all kinds of gross and grotesque things happening in this city. Lot, no matter what happened, whether he was captured, kidnapped, or just living around evil people, he didn't realize that where he was, how bad it was for him, how bad it was for his wife. His wife died and turned into a pillar of salt 
all because of the choices that Lot had made. Lot and his daughters go on to do things, again, grotesque and disgusting, all because of the choices that Lot had made. And I think if Lot, at the end of his life and the end of his story, looked back, I think there'd be some lessons that he learned. Just like for us, when we get to be a little older in life, many of us can write a book and write a story and say, these are the lessons that I learned in my life. And so number one, I think Lot learned that our distractions many times lead to internal destruction. Our distractions lead to internal destruction. Lot lost his home with Uncle Abram because of the distraction of his herdsmen. It wasn't himself, it wasn't his uncle, it wasn't their wives fighting, it wasn't their kids fighting. Lot lost his home because their herdsmen were fighting. The outward distraction, instead of just dealing with that distraction, became an internal destruction for Lot. Number two, I think Lot realized that having first pick doesn't really mean a thing. How many of us, you know, when we played sports when we we're in junior high and you gotta be the, the, the captain and you gotta pick, you know? And so when you were, you were in junior high, if you're playing basketball, you're gonna pick the tallest kid who looks like he can dribble and dunk, right? Or if you're playing football, you're gonna, look, you're gonna pick the, the kid who looks the most athletic. And when you're picking someone in sports, you're, you're gonna pick the best of the best. Abram gave his nephew Lot the pick of the land. And, and that, how many of us would feel, that's, that's freeing, that feels good. I get a pick anywhere I wanna go. I get a, man, this feels so good. There's so much peace and freedom. I get a pick any land, any house that I want to. But many of us, and a lot in this story, realizes freedom is never free. And even though I had the first pick, freedom is never free. There's always a cost for my freedom. And so a lot in this story, he loses in life in so many different ways because he thought he was free. Number three, looks are deceiving. It says that the land that he picked, he picked it because it looked like it was beautiful, like the garden of the Lord. Many of us in life from beginning to end, we make choices sometimes based on looks. This looks good. This sounds good. This feels right. Looks can be deceiving. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, 5, 7, says, we live by believing, we live by faith, and not by what we see. So number three, third, the uh, third thing that Lot learned in this story is, I can't live my life by what I see because it didn't end up right. Lot loses way more than he ever thought he'd gain because he looked and picked out a home based on looks. Number four, neighbors. How many of us love our neighbors? And if your neighbors are family, you gotta say yes, right? <laughs> you know, have you ever moved into, and maybe I've only seen this on TV, but have you ever moved into a town, a street, a housing track, and the neighbors seem so nice, and they bring out, you know, housewarming gifts, and they're bringing out donuts, and they're bringing out plants, and they're bringing out gift cards for you to move in. A housewarming gift, right? How many of us still do housewarming gifts? You move into a, you know, a new house and you get a housewarming gift. That's so awesome. But sometimes, because we don't spend enough time looking at who our neighbors are, even though they bring us nice gifts, the more you get to know them, it's like, oh my gosh, these people are evil. These people are devilish. Lot pitched his tent outside the city. 
But for whatever reason, his neighbors attracted him to move into the city. There's many people in life that we spend sometimes life with, sometimes people who are just next door, people who are across the street, people who are down the street, and they want to be your neighbor. They want to be your neighbor and they want to be kind. But you know why they want to be kind? You know, most people have an agenda today. And if we're honest, all of us have some form of an agenda. Some of us, there's something that drives us, kind of like our questions. There's things that drive us. And for some people, let's, let's use an easy one. How many people do we know who hate abortion? Isn't abortion horrible? There's, there's millions and millions and millions of babies that get killed and murdered every single year. And there's people who stand, now that we have Planned Parenthood on Florida Avenue, there's ladies who stand out there with signs because they believe in the agenda of trying to stop abortion. And so there's something that they believe in. How many of us have, have friends who believe in the agenda of stopping world hunger? Because it's like every 20 to 30 seconds, a kid dies of starvation. And as we say that, it sounds horrible, right? Because after this, we're gonna go have lunch. We may have a second donut, nothing wrong with that. But as we say that every 20, 30 seconds, some kid will die of starvation, that hurts, right? I mean, it hurts our stomach because we're hungry and we're waiting for lunch. But you honestly think about the kids that we have. They're not gonna die because they're starving. And so there's people out there, their agenda is to stop world hunger, which is a good thing. Every neighbor, every friend, if every person has an agenda, what's the agenda they push on you? What's the agenda they push on you? And so number four, Lot learned that his neighbors, they had an agenda for him. Number five, and this is one of the most important, Lot had some questions in life. He became rich, became wealthy, became powerful. And at some point he started asking himself, I don't need my uncle anymore. I got enough. I can go wherever I want. I can do whatever I want. Am I blessed because I'm a good guy? Am I rich because I'm good looking? As he started to ask himself these questions, those questions led him to leave the source of his blessing. Lot was not blessed because of his faith in God. Lot was not blessed because he was handsome, but that does help, right? Lot was not blessed because he was a good guy. Even though good people, we want to reward people for being good. Number five, Lot learned he should never let go of Uncle Abraham. You see, there's people in life who carry a different weight of blessing. Abram was one of those guys. He was so blessed. If you were to sit around Abram for five minutes, you walked away richer than before you came and sat with him. Abram carried this great faith in God. Abram carried this great weight of faith and this great weight of blessing. And so every time anyone would get around Abram, what would happen? They would become blessed. Lot forgot and Lot lost sight of where his blessing was coming from. God told Abram, I'm gonna bless you and you're gonna be blessed so much that everyone around you is gonna be blessed. Lot learned that he should never, ever let go of Uncle Abraham. You see, sometimes in life, and we talk about this a lot in the Bible, there's things that we have to let go of, right? There's certain situations from the past and feelings and experiences that we should just erase from our mind. But at the same time, there's certain people and places that you're not meant to let go of. 
that you're not meant to let go of. Because sometimes there is a person and sometimes there's a place where God wants us to be. It's where you're called to be. It's where you're called to be plugged in, kind of like church. And so for a lot in this story, he let go of the one source that made him rich. God puts people in our life for a reason. God puts people, and honestly, I think all of us have something to offer. Some of us were older, wiser, mature. I think some of us are more spiritual than others. I think some of us have more musical talent than other people. We learned that when Joel was singing, Old MacDonald had a farm. But how many of us realize that inside of us, we all have something different that we could offer to somebody else? That all of us have a different gift or talent, whether it's singing, whether it's working, whether it's playing, whether it's building, whether it's just speaking the wisdom that we've learned over the years, we all have something that we can share. And so God put us on this earth to share that with one another. Don't let go of the good things and the good people that God has put into your life. Because what happens sometimes, questions arise, and then the devil uses that to divide. So we wrap up this morning. Questions are a big part of life. And as questions are a big part of life, we must ask ourselves, is my question, is it like being in a taxi do I have the wrong taxi driver this morning? And I want to, I have a little challenge for you this morning. I think all of us, we do have some question, whether it's a question about ourselves or whether it's a question about somebody else. And I want you to pray for 30 days. It only takes one second. And just pray for 30 days straight. Just wake up in the morning or before you go to bed. God, is there any questions in me that are leading me the wrong way? For 30 days. Is there anything inside of me, God, any questions, any doubt, any confusion, any division? Is there any disputes that are inside of me, like in this story, that are leading me down the wrong road? We've learned in the last few weeks, Noah was a great man, and his questions led him to build a boat. That boat saved people. We saw from Abram two weeks ago that Abram, he left his home, he left his, his life, and he followed God. He put his faith and trust in God. And today we look at a man named Lot. And Lot, even though he was a good guy, he was a good man, he just kept making the wrong decision. God hasn't made us to be a Noah. God hasn't made us to be an Abram. God hasn't made us to be a Lot. But what God has made us to do is to learn from one another, to be inspired by stories, to be inspired from people to be inspired from gifts and talents, to be inspired on this story that we call life. At the end of this story, Genesis, we pick up at the end from where we started. It says, after Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west, I'm giving all this land to you as far as you can see. To you, your descendants is a permanent possession. I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction. I'm giving it to you. Abram moved his camp to Hebron and settled near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. There he built another altar to the Lord. And so at the beginning of this story, we see bad choices, and we see separation, and we see division. But at the end of this story, we see God coming to Abram and saying, I am going to fully bless you. 
I'm going to give you this land as far as you can see. I'm going to give you as many kids, as many kids. It's like sand on the seashore. I, I go, woohoo, I want that blessing. Got five, we can make an ocean. We can make a whole beach. No? God does want to bless your life. And no matter what blessings that you've seen and felt, no matter what blessings that you've had the past 35 years, no matter how you've seen God answer your prayers before, no matter if he's healed you or not healed you, no matter what you have seen God do, know this this morning, that the rest of your life, God does want to fully bless you. And that doesn't always mean money. Blessing doesn't always mean money. Blessing means health. It does mean prosperity. It means peace. It means goodness. Just like he blessed Lot, just like he blessed Abram, God wants to bless you. In life, all of us, we want to be somebody. All of us in life, we want to go somewhere. We want to do something. We want to know our value. We want to know our worth. It starts every single day with the creator and the giver of life who gives this life.